The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Richard and Julie with you. Thank you so very much for making us a part of your day. We're on weekdays from 4 until 7. And I think, Jules, throughout this whole coronavirus situation, you know, there is pockets of real concern, and we're certainly seeing that in Brandon right now as the the cases tick up. And, you know, we feel quite fortunate, uh, essentially in Manitoba, compared to other provinces and certainly other countries, including the United States to the south of us. And then from time to time, we take stock of people that we know in business. And some are are barely surviving, some are not open, but some people are thriving right now. Yeah, and it's we have to kind of grab onto those those positives when we see them because we're just surrounded and inundated at times with so many people that are still waiting to get back to work or only working part of the time or like as you say just scraping by so when the when the good news comes we tend to grab onto that pretty fast well and i hope our next three guests share mostly good news with us because i i am quite aware of perimeter itis and that winnipeg is the, the focal points probably too often, but agriculture is a pillar of the Manitoba economy and it helps drive our economy. Three guests join us now on 680 CJOB. Let's begin with Bill Campbell. He's a farmer from Minto. He's the president of Keystone Agriculture. And Bill, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us first of all about your farm in, in Minto? Yeah, we're, uh, well, good evening, uh, Jeff or Richard and Julie. Uh, we're a mixed farm, 30 miles south of Brandon. Uh, we have livestock, grains, oil seeds, um, kind of a traditional family farm. We've been in the Minto area for 140 years. So uh, just a good old family farm. Jill Veraway is a farmer from Portage La Prairie. Jill, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for uh, having me this evening. Uh, I uh, farm with my husband, and uh, we're part of a three-generation farm uh, just uh, south of Portage. And uh, we farm uh, probably about 10,000 acres of uh, cereal and uh, oil seeds. And uh, we have uh, beef cattle, and we also uh, milk uh, approximately uh, about 140 cows as well. So... uh, a fairly uh, big family farm, but uh, we've got uh, three generations on the farm now. Yeah, and very diversified, which is unique. Paul Gregory is our third guest. And Paul, you're all about the honey. Yes, right. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Richard and Julie. Uh, We're a first-generation farm located about 100 miles north of Winnipeg at Fisher Branch. And uh, I have uh, somewhat retired from the grain, or and this would be the forward seed operation, is a nephew who's now running that. Now, we're strictly honeybees. We're running about 1,500 honeybees through Arburg, Copperfield, and Fisher Branch uh, with my son, Campbell, and my wife, Anita. And, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting year, a few challenges along the way, but uh, we're, uh, it was very very good comments from yourself, Richard. Like uh, agriculture, it's it's positive, and we're continuing to uh, go through this, this these strange times, and and hopefully we'll come out the other side uh, smiling. 
Bill, you're probably used to spending a lot of time self-isolating in a in a tractor or a combine. So how have things been? What are you expecting this season for your operation? Well, it, it has been a somewhat a different year, but also in some respects it's been business as usual. We, uh, you know, we look after our livestock. We seeded the crop. Uh, we looked after uh, getting feed up. Uh, right now I'm isolated in a combine. So uh, it's you know, back to what we do and what we know. So uh, um, we we forge ahead. <laughs> Jill, and we're hearing from many experts saying that this could be a record year. Is that what you're seeing as far as what's coming off your land? Well, uh, I, in Portage here. Oh, sorry, were you talking to Bill? <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, Bill and Jill, that's a <laughs> difficult <laughs> said. <laughs> I guess just we'll to let follow Jill. up with this, sure. this report, um, I guess I have been in this business for over 50 years myself, and I base my production on what I put in the bin. And I base my cash flow on the checks I take to the bank, not on speculation and not on assumptions. Um, the field that we're currently in right now uh, is variable. Uh, we're seeing yield swings of 100 bushels an acre. So uh, this report of uh, this mammoth crop, I think we better wait until we see how harvest goes. So, Jill, how about well, you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably about the same comment. You can't really, uh, I guess, uh, know what, what the, the year is going to bring until it's actually in the bin. Um, we've had, uh, you know, the... The spring uh, was uh, relatively uh, good in, in the Portage area. You're able to get the crops in in a good time and uh, some seasonable rains. But uh, as you know, for probably about the last four weeks, it's it's been pretty hot and, and dry in the area. So we certainly, you know, in order to get that bumper crop, you need the rains at the right time. But uh, like Bill said, you, you don't know until it's it's actually in the bin. So... Paul, for you, um, kind of forging in a new path with with the honeybees, how will you know what is a a good yield or not? I mean, I think it's easy for people to conceptualize out on the farm, but maybe not so much with the with the bees. Well, we just uh, we're about halfway done harvest. Uh, We normally start harvest uh, mid July and wind her down by mid August. So we're we're just towards the end of. uh, there's still honey to collect and extract, but uh, we're about halfway done the crop. And it looks like it's an average crop. We we had some timely rains here in Andrew Lakes, which has really helped. But uh, just the heat. Um, when bees, when it gets much over 32, 33, uh, they shut down. And so this heat is, is, is providing a challenge to the bees and, and to working outside because, uh, you know, this year, uh, we couldn't get our temporary foreign workers in. We had relying locals, and and uh, they've been pulling through. Families been pulling through. So it's it's uh, it's a different year for us. Uh, but yeah, it's, it looks like an average crop. And and then also too, Julie, with the pandemic concerns, we're seeing uh, raised demand for natural foods like honey. So we're we're looking at a little bit better price in honey. And and then uh, I think we're all enjoying cheaper diesel and gas prices that are out there. So that's. Uh, uh, some some uh, bonuses uh, along the way here too. Paul Gregory, Jill Veraway, Bill Campbell with us on 680 CJOB. Richard and Julie, we're talking about agriculture and the yield in what is being described as possibly a bumper year. But Bill, 
You want to make sure that uh, the crop is in and all the bills are paid before you declare victory on this. When we talk about, you know, the changes that we see, and you talk about 140 years worth of farming generations, what's been the biggest change in your lifetime in farming, Bill? Well, I think we've seen tremendous advancement in the last generation and maybe even the 10 to 20 years with adoption of um, GPS technology, zero till, conservation of our moisture. Uh, I would dare say that our area has had less than five inches of rain this year. And if we'd have been farming in the 50s, we'd have had a wreck out here. Uh, We've conserved everything that we can, and we've utilized all of the new uh, stuff with uh, 4R nutrient management, uh, agronomy, uh, all of those things. Um, Production-wise, we are top-notch in the world, I would suggest. Uh, Probably some of our challenges now are uh, markets, uh, marketing, um, you know, and world global situations, that seems to be the, the biggest issue that can we be profitable? Can be, we be resilient and uh, be around for another year or two is, the, is some of the biggest challenges that we have. We, we continue to produce more, provide safe food for consumers, but I'm not sure we're making any more money at the end of the day. And, and that's a real big challenge. So. Jill, um, it's you and your husband, but will there be the kids for the next generation of farming? Well, right now on the farm, uh, my husband farms with his uh, three other brothers, and we actually have, uh, uh, there's, uh, I have three nephews and my, my son, uh, I guess would be the, the third generation that are that are farming with us. So they're in their uh, 20s and, and early 30s and starting to raise families. So it's uh, it's a challenge in, into the future to see, uh, like Bill said, uh, with uh, you know the, the global situation. It has a, a real impact on on our pricing and, and profitability and being able to uh, sustainably farm into the future. So um, especially on the dairy side, for us, it's it's a concern with with uh, markets being opened up to uh, you know allowing for access into uh, into our markets so that uh, all kind of ways on on uh, what's going to be happening into the future and uh, our ability to uh, for them to profitably you know earn a living themselves and and expand the farm into the future so it, it definitely uh, is is discussed when you're when you're talking about what what we're going to be doing uh, in the you know for you know the fourth generation we hope Paul when you hear Bill and Jill talk about um, you know the fact that their their operations are very much influenced by by politics. You know, be it China. You know, when it comes to canola, or the United States when it comes to dairy, you probably have the easiest direct to customer experience. You know, I might come to you and and buy some honey. So, do you, do you think that gives you a bit of an, an advantage that you are really more perhaps grassroots than some of the the other typical agriculture that's out there? Uh- Good question, Jill. Or good question, Julie. But you know, uh, for us, uh, Western Canadian beekeepers, we export 80, 90 percent of what we produce. And uh, the Eastern beekeepers, they do have a good retail market. There's large cities nearby. There's farmers markets. There's ways to, uh, you know, uh, you know, sell the honey locally. But for us, uh, like 
we're not a large beekeeper, and we'd supply half of Winnipeg with their <laughs> with the honey. So, you wow. know, it's it's the honey consumption is about one pound per person. So it's, we're we're quite reliant on foreign markets, and you know, when it comes to international challenges, there is a lot of funny honey. Uh, we have, you know, Chinese and other, you know, uh, Ukrainian. Uh, there's just different foreign honeys coming into North America. Uh, dramatically lowering our prices, and and sometimes this honey it's contaminated with sugar, antibiotics, and and who knows what. And and we need to be vigilant. Uh, uh, I'm working uh, with our local honey association and, and nationally, and and uh, we've we just finished having a, uh, a large conference in Montreal last year. Well, that was the number one thing: how to how to keep our honey pure, how to keep it safe, and and to take the bad guys out. Um, and, and this is why I'm just encouraged to buy local honey because when you uh, go to a large supermarket and you see it's made in Vietnam or wherever, uh, no, I mean, I'd be very <laughs> suspicious of that honey. So Understood. Uh, Paul, yeah. no funny honey for us. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, yeah. Paul Gregory. We're keeping it sweet. Jill Verway, Bill Campbell joining us the Tuesday evening panel. Going to the farm on 680 CJOB. The news on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.